Good morning, everyone. I'm Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director, Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is my weekly economic and market commentary. I'm recording this on Tuesday, the 12th of July. I was on vacation yesterday. Thank you for that. Um, you can also follow me intro week on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, this is available both as a slide-based, subscription-based, no-cost presentation. If you're looking at this, you are on the list. If, or you can just listen via your smart device by saying, play the podcast, slaying bulls and bears. Everything you're about to see and or hear has been prepared by me for use with you, by you, whether you are an investor or a financial advisor, either way, you're expected to make your own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation is investment advice, nor should it be treated as such. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. Everything here is for informational purposes. There shall be no tax advice or investment advice contained. Okay, we had a nice strong up week in equities. That was nice for a change. The question becomes, was it a turnaround from a bottom? Was it a rally ahead of earnings? Or was it simply a relief rally in a bear market that has further to go? Well, we'll find out over the coming months. I'll give you some evidence throughout the presentation today to support both sides of that argument. And we'll try to come to some conclusions. Uh, but of course, year to date, equity markets are all still in the red, but so are bond markets. This is unusual. Usually when the equity markets are going down, it's because the economy is slowing and there's fears about earnings and therefore bonds are catching a bid and people are expecting and markets are expecting the Fed to cut rates. This time around, the Fed raising interest rates is sort of driving the revaluation of stocks. And the economic data we got last week was essentially pretty good. But look what's here. You think, wow, bonds, you know, stock market's down 17.5% as measured by the S&P 500. But look at long maturity treasuries down almost 24% for the year. So a lot of red this year. That's a normal part of investing. What's not, I guess it is normal. It's just not very frequent is both a bond and stock market, bear market, at the same time, in a very short period of time. All of this has happened in, in six months. What's the right thing to do? Well, your individual circumstances vary, but for most of us, we have diversified portfolios. We're either in the accumulation stage, therefore we're adding to our portfolios and we welcome these down, temporary down markets, we believe they're temporary, or we're in the decumulation stage of life, in which case we don't have uh, super high exposure to the volatile equity markets. We're a little concerned about the bond markets, but we know the thing about the underlying holdings of bond markets, they're bonds. Bonds have a fixed maturity value. And we look at this as a period where we'll, we'll ride through it and come back out the other end. Probably in many cases, the worst thing to do would be to react by trying to reposition the portfolio or selling. It's just a down market. We've had them before, we'll have them again. Okay, economic data last week, as I said, was mostly good. We start with May factory orders up 1.6%. That's more than triple the estimate of a 0.5% rise. And the revive, and then they, the 0.5% estimate, I got so ahead of myself. And then 
April was revised from 0.3 to 0.7. So two really good numbers there on the right. You can see not many down numbers in the last couple of years in a series that's normally very volatile. This signals underlying economic strength, part of the thing that's driving the inflationary pressures, right? More demand, we made this mistake of restricting supply uh, during the coronavirus-related shutdowns. Durable, consumer goods, shipments, non-durable shipments, everything rose in this factory orders report uh, for the month of May. Um, so that was a really strong report. Uh, then we got into the S&P Global Services PMI. Prior week, we got the manufacturing PMI. Manufacturing is 15% of the U.S. economy, approximately. Services much bigger at 85%. Fell from 53.4 to 52.7. That still is expansion, and it expanded at a pace above what was estimated. So we're down near the 50 line. So all of this, going from right to left here, you see that? That's a cooling of the economy a little bit. This was the surge on the reopening and then cooling. The Fed wants to engineer a soft landing. They do not want to see these numbers, whether it's services or manufacturing, go into contraction. That is, get below 50. That is the delicate dance they're trying to accomplish. So far, so good. ISM, Institute for Supply Management Services reading, fell from 55.9 to 55.3. That was also above expectations, estimates of economists. And that's very strong. 55 is a pretty robust services sector growth at a time when we're all talking about a slowing economy. New orders were very high and went down to a still quite high, 55.6. Business activity in the services sector rose to 56.1. However, employment fell. Was that because of a lack of demand for employees or was that because of a lack of supply of new employees? Hard to tell from the data. You can see cooling from excessively hot. Another disinflationary on the margin report. I know we're still experiencing inflation. We're going to get some big data metrics on that this week. Moving, speaking of the jobs market, the JOLTS report said that the number of openings in the month of May fell to 11.25 from 11.7. The estimate was for 11, so it was a little stronger than expected, but this was an extraordinarily high number here. Once we got above 10, it was just, just crazy. There's still 1.9 jobs for every unemployed person, and we had been over two at one point. That, except, that still expresses inflationary pressures, particularly in the labor market. But as you're going to see in a moment, labor market actually has cooled a little bit, just a little bit. Initial claims for unemployment uh, rose from 231 to 235. That still shows a very strong labor market and plenty of demand for labor. As I've told you, anything below 300 is solid, healthy. One of the reasons why if, if, we get to a recession, uh, it would be very mild. It's not going to be driven by consumer demand, and we're not, so far, no indication we're going to see the biggest problem, the biggest fear of a recession, the worst part of a recession, loss of jobs. Just doesn't look like it's going to happen this time around. What, what is the thing that might cause put us into recession? Well, if you remember, 
first quarter GDP was negative. The biggest subtraction from first quarter GDP was the trade deficit. Remember, imports subtract from GDP, exports add to GDP. So in the first quarter, as the deficit got larger, it subtracted 3.2%. That's a big, big number from GDP, one of the largest trade deficit GDP impacts on record. However, in the second quarter, we're seeing the trade deficit start to decline. May, the trade deficit fell from minus 86 billion to minus 85 and a half, not much, though still a little worse than expected. But exports rose as supply chain and shipping issues started to abate to 256 billion. 256 billion and energy exports rose. Unfortunately, that was just because of higher prices. Still, this suggests that this narrowing of the deficit in the second quarter, right, may add to GDP. It may aid GDP growth. It may add to GDP. So, you know, we look back at that negative GDP report in the first quarter. Was it from consumer demand? No. Were people out of work? No. In fact, there's still waiting lists and high demand to get products and, and even some services. So let's not get too panicked yet about recession. Speaking of jobs, uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics jobs report for the month of June. Estimate was for 275. We rose a very healthy 372,000. Now, a minute ago, I said, well, the job, maybe the job market's cooling a little bit, taking some of the inflationary pressures out. It's moderate and modest at best. And you think, well, gee, the unemployment rate was unchanged, still at 3.6. However, because the participation rate fell a tenth of a percent, if it hadn't, that unemployment rate would have risen from 3.6 to 3.9. I know this is, this is minutia now, but this is the kind of thing we like to look at to see where we are. How bad is this inflation thing going to be? Is it transitory like the Fed really initially predicted? It is. However, it's just, it just went higher and stayed high for longer due to the energy price uh, surge and, and obviously supply chain related issues as well. Okay, can we move this along? Here we go. Wholesale inventories gained 1.8%. You can see there's been a huge buildup in inventories coming out of the COVID uh, pandemic. Inventory to sales ratios, you know, fine, right in line at uh, 1.26, 1.25 for the prior month. When you see inventory start to decline, then you start thinking about issues. Uh, are we selling more than we can replenish? No. Starting to rise, uh, are we not selling enough? No, we're just we're still replenishing from uh, the COVID-related shutdowns. In, in May, consumer credit rose 22 billion after a 37 billion gain in April, revolving up 7.4. Nothing major news-wise there. Where we are now is this week, we really start second quarter earnings. We have a number of very important companies, all S&P 500 names expected to be reporting this week. We've got a consumer staple in uh, PepsiCo, got an industrial in Fasenal. We've got financials, JP Morgan, Wells, Citi, Morgan Stanley at State Street. We've got a healthcare in United Health, and we've got a consumer discretionary um, Delta Airlines. So um, this, is I think the pivot, the fulcrum, and where the stock market goes next from here. 
what happens with these earnings. Because if you look at a chart of the S&P 500, it's not very pretty at all. Go back here to 2020, uptrend, right? The 50-day moving average is going up. The market is going up. The 200-day moving average is going up. Then the 50 crosses below the two. Then you've got the market below the 50, the 50 below the 200. Classic reversal, bear market. We're in one, right? We peaked above 4,700 and change in the S&P 500 at the beginning of the year. We're now back to below, we're well below 3,900. We got below 3,700. The question for investors was, this the bottom? Or are we still on this downtrend? Well, this is a very simplistic chart. Nobody knows for sure. You can certainly look at this and interpret it. Hey, we got our 20% corrections, time to go back. Uh, stocks have gotten cheap by PE ratio. Um, and demand is strong, employment is strong, the consumer is great and healthy. Um, we don't know. Technically, the S&P 500, I think it's easy to say, remains in a bit of a downtrend. But risk has gotten a lot lower. What do I mean by that? Well, PE multiples, what you pay for those earnings has come down a lot. If you look at the price earnings ratio on current earnings, we've come down from 32 to 19 and a quarter. On estimated 12 month out earnings, we've come down from 27 to 17. So stocks are really cheap, right? Well, it depends. It depends on what happens with those earnings reports. And I think there's a bandwagon sort of feeling right now among the financial press, among a lot of people like me, money managers, analysts, that earnings estimates are just plain too high. Analysts have not reduced earnings estimates to reflect things like higher interest rates. Um, is there a softening of demand? We've seen the PMIs all come down a little bit. We've seen the participation rate in labor go down a tick. I mean, none of this is big or major, but those inflationary pressures built into the corporate environment, could they crimp the earnings? Well, as of this morning, earnings estimates are for $229.22 per S&P 500 share or unit, whatever you want to call it. As those companies begin to report this week, will they disappoint and say that, hey, the second quarter was harder than we thought, inflation really hit us? Or will they say we're starting to see relief from some of the inflationary problems we experienced in the first quarter and the fourth quarter? Will the CEOs and the CFO say, we expect to guide you to a little bit lower number for the back half of this year and into 23? What will they do? That's what's going to determine what the analysts do with this number. And if this number doesn't get hit, then I think you have a very big sharp rally in equities uh, in the second half of 2022. If this number gets hit and if the Fed continues to raise rates aggressively, I don't think they need to do 75 basis points, by the way, this month, but they will because the Fed has... Um, this particular Fed has become a react, reactive Fed. They tend to be right in the now rather than looking out, uh, which is how they got into the trouble they're in. And it's kind of like the gambler that keeps losing and doubling down. The Fed has become um, behind the curve, unfortunately. So they will do 75 basis points in July. Uh, but I don't think, I think that's the last of the 75 bit hikes. 
Uh, I think they should do 50, even 25. Really, the commodity prices are coming down really fast, really hard. We're seeing a decel. You might as well decel on the rate hikes, but they're going to go and keep hiking a little bit beyond. Um, that is almost a for sure thing. What could derail that? CPI report and PPI report that are due this week. That, those are the two big ones this week, along with those initial earnings reports. Um, we had small business optimism this morning, disappointed. CPI, PPI, Wednesday and Thursday, respectively. The Fed's beige book, which is their board meeting book for their July meeting, which is late July. Weekly claims, New York State manufacturing, retail sales, industrial production, utilization, May business inventories, and uh, July consumer sentiment. But it's really all about CPI and PPI this week and those companies that are earnings that are reporting earnings. One of the things about having the financials report first that's important is, in is banks have a really, really good feel on how consumer behavior is evolving and developing and what the strength of the consumer is. And they tend to talk about it in their earnings reports. So we'll have a really good idea of what's going on here with the consumer um, in, in the second quarter as those big financial names report um, this week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I'll be back to you again next week.